Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. This is Damon. I'm back with Kyle and Brett today. We're excited to all three of us be back together once again. And um, we're also excited that we just concluded our uh, God's Amazing Kingdom series with a great sermon by Pastor Ross. And so as we are wrapping up this series, just wanted to ask you guys, I guess I'll ask Kyle first, is there something that was highlighted to you during this Kingdom mm. series? Before I answer that, Brett, so I'm, I'm watching the board here. Uh, Damon didn't mute us in the intro song, so either we're gaining his trust or he just <laughs> flat out forgot. I'm not sure which one it is, but <laughs> today he's just letting it ride. <laughs> I almost I almost like thought I should just talk over the music and then he just have to start over, but I don't want to I don't want to get him in a bad mood. How come everybody thinks I'm going to get in a bad mood? Yesterday, Trish is like, oh, if I don't talk about the podcast on, oh, that's right. on the announcements, Damon's going to get mad at me. And Oh, if I mess up the intro, Damon's going to get mad at me. Why is everybody afraid of me getting mad at them? No, I just don't want you to throw any hard questions my way. That's, that's your being mad. Um, oh, by the way, I think uh, Trish, in order to get her spot on the podium, needs to come on soon before oh, yeah. the end of the year. It's yeah. Getting close to the end of the year, so... So Trish, if you want to get on the podium, you might need to come back on pretty soon. <laughs> okay, get back to your question. Sorry for that little uh, side sidebar there. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was good that we spent a long time going over the kingdom because I think if you just talk about it real briefly, it's like yeah, yeah, I kind of know. But I thought I thought we did a good job of digging into different aspects of it and then kind of what it means and how to live from like a kingdom mindset and then just being aware that there's two competing kingdoms. There's God's kingdom and then uh, Satan's kingdom, the the kingdom of this world. So I think, I hope the people weren't, you know, bored or like, oh yeah, we got it, we understand. Because I think the more you dig into it, it, the deeper it becomes and it's just more challenging to figure out how to live it out. Um, But I I enjoyed, like when I spoke and I, I enjoyed digging into the kingdom being God's rule and reign and thinking of it that way. I was like, Oh, that helped me understand that concept better. Well, I think, you know, if you're t- wondering if people got bored from eight weeks going, <laughs> going in deep like that, it's like we did identity for like 10 years. So <laughs> <True>. I don't know. <laughs> eight weeks is not that long. No, but it, it does seem like it when it's the same concept. But I, I think the, ki- the kingdom concept is so big that we went into different aspects. So I think mm-hmm. that part of it, it wasn't like it was the same thing every week. Yeah. yeah, and as we think about kingdoms, a lot of times when people think about kingdoms and, uh, you know, like the different TV shows about kingdoms, a lot of times people go to the, got to defend my kingdom. Mm. And so, Brett, I heard that, you know, over this past weekend, uh, you were working with both junior high and high school or middle school and high school. And you were talking about defending our faith. Is there anything you'd like to share with our people about what you were working on with defending our faith? Yeah, it was a a good time. Good conversation. They brought a lot of questions, kept me on my toes. Um, I I think the takeaway that I have is it's encouraging how much uh, our youth do have that belief in God. I, I allowed them to share um, times where they may have faced opposition or criticism or even people um, trying to discredit or say things against God or, or their beliefs. And, you know, not all of them said they stood up and said something, but it didn't make them waver. Mm. Some of them knew in, in those times they may be the only one that has these beliefs and they didn't shy away from it or say like, oh, I just agree, you know, just go along with the crowd. 
And so um, hearing that was already a good jumping point into diving into it to mm -hmm. helping just equip them a little bit more and giving them more confidence in the things that they do know, the things that they do understand, but um, just giving them um, some tools and some, some perspectives to be able to stand even more firm, to be able to um, speak up if certain things do come up. And so, um, yeah, shout out to Magnetic being uh, with us in the Forge. I think it was a, a really good time of conversation. And then it was fun too. So it wasn't just like this serious, you're gonna get attacked, how are you gonna defend yourself? <laughs> Um, it's not like a pass fail. It was more like, this is what we put our faith in. Mm -hmm. And so let's understand why and how we can defend our faith. And so um, I think it was great to have the whole range of middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yeah, I think it's good that you're trying to help equip them uh, with different things that they can talk about or different ways that they can feel firm in their own faith because it's going to be attacked as they go into the world. Yeah, and, and both of my kids were in there. So they, they're usually, I don't know if they've really ever been in the same Sunday school class because they're three years apart, um, maybe one year. But uh, I thought it was cool. They were both excited for the lesson. Like they were both like, hey, Uncle Brett taught us about apologetics today. I'm like, mm. they, they usually don't like bring up like <laughs> what, what you guys are doing. I have to ask questions. Yeah. But it was cool. And then they were explaining, I'm like, what would you talk about? And and then you had told me, uh, Brett, that they, at, uh, Ezra asked a, an intriguing question or a thought-provoking question. So I asked him, hey, Uncle Brett said you asked a good question. What was it? And he was able to share it. And mm -hmm. so I, I thought, it, I, th I think there's like a hunger for that ap apologetic stuff in, in the young, young minds. Yeah, I think too, just there was just an energy of them all being together mm -hmm. that they feed off of each other, that they can engage in things and question and like, some of the time wasn't just asking me, but they would ask out loud and then somebody else would have their own opinion or something. And so I would let them share. And so it was, parts of it was um, a good just conversation between everybody there. It wasn't just, well, let's just listen to what Uncle Brett has to say and his answers is correct. It's like, well, let's, let's like discuss and dive into some of this. And what do you guys think? Or uh, someone else might have a comment or a question that leads to something else. And so I did have to rein it in a couple times, but overall I was very, I didn't know how it was going to go. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I was going to do in trying to explain or, or kind of get them on the same page. But it seems like, yeah, I appreciate the feedback. It seems like it, things were good. And, and I uh, really felt like they were ahead of where, not that I didn't think they knew those things, but they, a lot of them already had some experience. Cool. I know. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't want to just, Sorry, I, I gave Damon the thumbs up. Like, okay, go ahead, you can take the front. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> Just supposed to finish oh. the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you and Brett were having a good conversation. So no, I mean, yeah, no, I, I thought it was really good, and I'm, I'm excited for more of that apologetic stuff. So yeah, we'll finish with the second week of it, and then in the future we'll dive a little bit more deeper into it. So okay, so as we're wrapping up this series on kingdom and talking about God's kingdom, and we've, you know, we've also talked about the opposing kingdom. I watched a video this weekend that was very interesting and I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts. And I'm knowing that, you know, you might not have watched the video yet. I did. Okay. Kyle watched it. Brett, I didn't. Brett hasn't. <laughs> so Brett's going to go off the dome like normal, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on some of these things that uh, were introduced in this video. And, just throw it out there. So this episode might seem a little bit different because it's not like we're trying to 
do a teaching or do, but it, it's really, I just wanted to start a discussion on mm -hmm. some of the themes and things that were talked about in this video. Cause I thought it really is applicable to um, how we live out our faith and also what the kingdom is like. Mm -hmm. And so one of the aspects of the kingdom that I don't know if we've talked too much about is kind of the unseen mm -hmm. aspect of the kingdom, mm -hmm. right? Because if God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, there's going to be aspects of it that are unseen. And so I think that that's, one thing that was really highlighted to me in this video is just there's certain aspects of the kingdom that are unseen that, you know, a lot of the things that we've been talking about are just different ways that we can tangibly mm. experience the kingdom. And so there's also some parts of God's kingdom because it's a spiritual kingdom that are, are not seen. So uh, I, I guess I'll give a little bit of intro into the video and what happened. So uh, it was an interview with, a an African pastor and he might be an apostle too so or considered an apostle right so uh, he's an African guy who was born into witchcraft mm -hmm. and he was raised as a witch to the occult and yeah. well because he talked actually he talked about different things right so he talked mm -hmm. about witchcraft and how witchcraft and occult are a little bit different because mm -hmm. witchcraft is tied to cultural things and occult is more directly tied to Satanism right so he started off as a witch and in witchcraft with the cultural aspect of it growing up in Africa. And then that was kind of like the entry point to become into occultism, which mm -hmm. is more, more directly Satanism. So mm -hmm. worshiping Satan. Right. So he was actually this really high level yeah. guy. And so at one point he went to a meeting that had all of these high level Satan worshipers. Mm -hmm. And he said he'd, at, at a fancy hotel. Like, he was, like, some fancy hotel in Italy. Like, it sounded like it was, like, some nice event. Yeah. So it's not, like, this underground, like, <laughs> dark thing. Yeah. So he, he said, and this is the first time that he'd been to a meeting where he looked around and everyone was scared. Mm. So he was like, why is everyone scared here? Normally they're, you know, they have confidence because, you know, they're leaders in different arenas and things like that. And so... He was asking around and they said, hey, there's these 20 women who are meeting with this pastor and who have covenanted to walk together and pray together for a certain amount of time, which ended up being like 90 days. They were going to pray together for 90 days. And if they're able to complete this assignment that they have of walking together and praying together for 90 days, then... A, they're going to have authority and expanded authority for God in um, Africa. Yeah. Right. So they were going to be able to have, I think he said for 70 years that they mm -hmm. would have spiritual authority in the land for God. And conversely, then Satan's power and authority would be like wiped out in that region. Yeah. So then Satan would lose his authority in that area for 70 years. And so that's what they were afraid of. And through the process of this 90 days, and I think at the time they were like at day 30 or day 40 or something no, like that. I think that. they were farther. I think it was like 60 or 70. Like they were getting close to finishing it. I think at the meeting they were at like day 30 or 40. And then oh, okay. before he actually started oh, doing something true. about it, it was like yeah, yeah, closer yeah. closer to being done. Anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about semantics <laughs> here. Anyway. But, okay, so these 20 women had gathered together with this pastor to uh, pray for the land and for God's revival. And throughout this process, like, there were things that were happening that they weren't aware of um, 
but the Satan worshipers were because they were able to see in the spirit what was going on. And so they said that there were 7,000 churches that had backslidden before. And because mm. of these 20 women that were praying, they were re- re-energized yeah. and started to um, just be reinvigorated as yeah. churches and yeah. their ministries had started to be become revived all around the world. So they said like in mm-hmm. South America and other mm-hmm. places, not just in Africa where these 20 women were, but because of their prayers, there were, there were connections and different things happening in the spiritual realm that were just reinvigorating these other mm-hmm. churches and things like that. And so like even with hearing that, these 20 women were praying in Africa for God's revival in Africa. And it was actually affecting other places around the world. I I was like, that kind of blew my mind in terms of, um, yeah, just my concept of just even praying for people or Mm -hmm. just praying for a specific situation that what I'm praying for actually could have effect in the spiritual realm for something not even nearby. Yeah. What do you what do you guys think about just even that aspect of it, like kind of the unseen spiritual realm? I th- I think it um, is to Satan's advantage that we don't think about that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. we think our prayers are limited or their scope is so small, and I I think it, if we put our smallness onto God, that oh this isn't that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal if we pray together or or do this, we covenant in this way, or we do this together, it's only going to have a, a limited effect. But when you hear this person's story and like how it was unlocking things all over the world, because of 20 women, it wasn't like it was this whole countrywide organization or any, it wasn't an uh, international organization. It was 20 individual women and a pastor and how they were unlocking things throughout the world by them doing this. And yeah, it's like, it kind of... I feel shame a little bit like, man, I, I don't really think that way. I usually think so much more, so much smaller. So I don't, I don't give my prayers enough weight. Yeah, I, I would agree. It, it is something that seems crazy. Um, but, you know, if, if we do have trust in God, then, you know, that's where the whole like things that seem impossible are possible with God. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I also take away from it that I've actually been wrestling with is or or trying to change my perspective is sometimes it's easy for us to be completely like result oriented. Mm. And so when we see our prayers and then the result that we think that it should have doesn't happen, we think God didn't answer me. Why am I praying like it didn't work? But because we don't have the scope and lens that God does, or if we're not attuned to the vision that he has, or just even being obedient and and looking at that rather than the result, then sometimes we miss out on seeing what he's actually doing in the bigger picture. And so sometimes, you know, results do help. It gives us affirmation, confirmation, all those things. And we do want to see the blessings. We do want to see... But when that kind of overrides the perspective of just like having the faith and just like saying, okay, God, like I know you can do like big things, but we're, we're specifically looking for an outcome. I think that's similar to putting God in a box because it's like, this is the outcome that should happen. Mm. 
And then we're based off of that result when it's like, well, what if God's going to raise 7,000 churches, but you don't see it? Is that Mm -hmm. worth it to you? And then it's kind of like, I mean, I would hope you would say yes, but for some of us, it's hard when the results aren't what we envisioned or imagined. And so um, I think that story reminds me of, of, of some of the conversation I've heard about like us being very result oriented and mm-hmm. what it looks like when we can let go of that a little bit. And it's interesting because when he shared that testimony or in that, in that testimony, he, he doesn't allude to those 20 women know what's going on. This mm. is in the spiritual realm on the dark side. Like they're, they're, they're aware of all these things happening. And I'm pretty sure that they aren't aware of the impact this is having nation mm-hmm. like across the nations. Right. So they're just being obedient to like this assignment that they felt like the Lord mm. wanted them to do. But in that, they didn't know the impact it was having. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think to me that that's one of the amazing things is just there's stuff happening in the spirit when we pray that we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, our prayers, God hears them mm-hmm. and, and knows that when we're submitting to him, that he's doing all this other stuff that we're not aware of. And so... It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like that, that really made me want to pray more, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so let's let's keep going with the story because that's not the end of the story, <laughs> right? As, okay, so um, going back to this African man. So this is again, this is before he becomes a Christian. Right. He ends up being becoming a Christian later, but before he co- becomes a Christian, he's at this meeting that they are telling him, "You, you, this is in your country. You need to go back and mm-hmm. you need to stop this meeting from happening. These 20 women, you need to break these 20 women before up. Before day 90. Before yeah. day 90. Because if they finish their their task, that we're going to lose authority. God, God is going to gain authority in this land for 70 years and we can't let that happen. So you need to go back. This is in your country. You need to go stop it. But if you try to just attack these women, you're going to die. So you cannot just attack them. You have to do something to get them to break up. Mm-hmm. So then, th- and this some of this is crazy too. So then he said that they, he was given a book with like all of these weaknesses of the women. Mm-hmm. That they did all this research on these women. Dang, they got a full scouting report. Yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, like 500 pages. Yeah, yeah, I was like, like 500 pages geez. of all their weaknesses from generations past. And like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so weakness is being things like unforgiveness, different ways that they've been offended, different things that have been in their past history. Um, And so he had this book. So this was kind of their way of strategically going after these women without attacking them individually. And so what he said is what his role or what he felt like his job was to do was to break their covenant, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of attacking the women, it was going to break the agreements that they had to walk together to get them to separate and not not, not continue this meeting. Just, just just to give more fullness to this this covenant, it was they were covenanting to pray for six hours a day for ninety days straight, all together. And if any of them missed one day or missed any part of the six hours, they had to start over. And so oh, they man. were yeah, and this is and this is their commitment. And then so by this time, when he's actually putting his strategy, they're like already today 60, 70 or yeah, they, something like that. Yeah, it was close yeah. to 70. Yeah. And then he, yeah, so they said the original covenant too was like if they said, if it was like day 88 and someone missed a minute of one of the meetings that they were supposed to be at, that they would start over from yeah. day one. Wow. 
So that was the original intense, covenant. In, a very intense covenant that they made. But God was honoring God was using it and it yeah. was from it was his purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like we said, seven thousand churches were reinvigorated and things like that. So he said his job was to get them to break their covenant because he couldn't get them to he couldn't attack them physically physically because he would end up dying. So he had to go so he came they gave him money and different things that he could use to try to break this covenant. And so he sent he met these other two women and he tried to use them kind of as Trojan horses to mm-hmm. kind of infiltrate this meeting to try to get them to come in. And so yeah, even that part of the story is inter- interesting too because they tried to infiltrate and join the meeting. They said, mm-hmm. "Oh, we want to be a part of this. This is something good. We want to be a part of it." And so the 20 women that were meeting together went to go discern and say, is it God's will that we allow these women to come in? Right. And so, like we said, they had some research on it mm-hmm. and, and they knew that one of the women had an issue with her mom, that mm-hmm. there was unforgiveness and there was issue with her mom. Right. So the women were discerning. They said, uh, we don't think these two women are from, from God. Right. And so they came back and say, Oh, we don't think that this is from God. We don't. We, we're not going to let you into our our group. And so one of the Trojan horsewomen came back and said, "Oh, what? Why? Why don't you want to let us in? How come you're talking to me like your mom?" Yeah. And then that triggered something in her, and that was kind of the start of the breaking of the covenant. Was that she, instead of walking in the spirit, now she started to walk in the flesh mm-hmm. through that wounding. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," and that. That from there, it started to trickle down into these other ways that they were trying to break the covenant. Yeah, they, just things like money, possessions, um, pride. Like the pastor, that he was getting they, these people were coming like out of nowhere. It seemed like that they wanted to join. So, oh, we're growing in numbers. It's it's a good thing. Mm. Then they they bought him a house, and he's like, oh, I'm, they they want to provide me with a house, but the house was further away. So they were trying to separate him mm. and make him live further away so that they weren't in community as much. And so it was and harder so, for him to get to those meetings. Too, yeah. Right? So then so. all these, anything that they could try to do to put in front of him to make him stumble. And so all these different things. And they, and yet they're still persisting. They're, they're having these conflicts, yet they're all the way up to day, like, they get to day 89? They got to day 89. And they're, and they're still, they're, Despite all of this, there's all this turmoil going on, yet they're still like sticking to their their covenant. And yeah, and then so eventually on day 89 is when the different disagreements and the different uh, offenses actually end up breaking the covenant. And so they, they end up not making it to day 90 Man. by one day. So I okay I'm I'm thinking we should put the link to that it's a YouTube video we should put that in the show notes so people can watch and get the full story after that but it's yeah it's an it's pretty amazing incredible story and it's 3 hours long so yeah. but is there an actual conclusion to it Yes okay yeah. Well so that is also part of his testimony mm. yeah because then out of that um what what happens through that is how part of his conversion story like and how the, he becomes a Christian. The, the very next day, like he meets Jesus, like in a crazy way. So it's it's a cool story. But um, 
But so I just want to give that to the listeners because we're not going to give all the extra details. We don't have time for all that. Yeah, but, so if you're interested, you can watch it. But I know we wanted to talk about like that whole breaking of covenant, the way the enemy kind of subverts. So do you think it's like a good time for like behind enemy lines or something? Or Let me make sure that the audio is turned on because <laughs> last time I forgot. So maybe it is time for behind enemy lines. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, Brett, so since you didn't listen to it, like when you hear like how really like Satan's crew are so crafty and so sneaky and so like wise as a, they're like wise as a serpent, right? Like to get in there and find the little little, um, cracks, the crevices, just to get their like foot in the door enough to just start like disagreement, start um, getting them to focus from, from their flesh instead of like their spirit. Like what... When you hear that, like, does that does that shock you? Does it surprise you? Or what, what do you think when you hear that kind of approach? I think it's shocking in that it's not every day that I think of the extent to which mm-hmm. the enemy is working mm-hmm. and to which degree people to which extremes people will go to. I mean, the fact that they had a full gathering and meeting to strategize and essentially deploy people to Mm -hmm. say, this is your job. This is your objective. Here's a 500 page scouting report. So, you know, everything like, and I think they gave him like 300 or 500 grand. Yeah. I think Uh, it's half a million. He said, I was like, yeah. So it's like that much resources and time and energy and efforts put on, the, the enemy's end, mm-hmm. it seems daunting and scary. Mm. And it seems like, wow, there's really a lot going on that no one knows about, mm. right? There's, I'm sure, I mean, the fact that this, this pastor is sharing it, like that means it's going on mm. more than we know. And I think on one end, it definitely can make people want to like ignore or shut that stuff out because it's like scary to think about or like your mind can just race right and go different places. But I think the thing that I have to remind myself because I could be very pessimistic is like we know who wins. Mm -hmm. And so despite the efforts and the extreme lengths and how scary and daunting it can be, it's like, God's even greater than that. And so it doesn't always make us feel better right away, but it's something that it's like, okay, no, then that means I need to like hold on to God tighter and get closer and, and know more. And so I think it just reveals to me like also the power that's in God that he can defeat all of that, mm. right? And so on one hand, I think there is this uneasiness where you're like, that doesn't feel good. That's mm-hmm. weird. I don't like that. And on the other end, it's like, okay, well, what what do I turn to then? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, okay, God outweighs this. So that's where I need to put my trust. But that's wild. That, And that's only a little part of it. If three hours long. That's only a little part of it. And so... <laughs> yeah. I think seems, that was like five minutes yeah, of the three hours. Say, it, it seems, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that's highlighted is 
the power of our commitments and our covenants with walking with other other believers and then walking with the Lord, right? Mm. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was initiating a covenant with us, mm. right? That he will be with us, that he will be our savior, and that when we receive that, then we can walk in covenant with him and the power of that covenant. But there's other covenants that we make with people, right? When we walk together as a church mm. or when we walk together as a husband and wife and there's different covenants and, and relationships and agreements that we make uh, to, to, to commit to walking together. And so just seeing in this one um, instance, the power of the covenant of the 20 women walking mm. together, mm-hmm. that they're, these 20 women are able to revive 7,000 churches. It's like, okay, well, if we just kind of boil that down, like what's the power of a husband and a wife, two people, mm. right? Could it, even if it's like seven churches, right? Mm. It's like one one thousandth of of that. It's like, could we revive seven churches? Like that would be amazing if just walking together and praying together and committing to each other. Wow, yeah. that that's that's amazing. Or even not churches, like uh, seven other families or seven other people, just by walking in covenant, like you could have impact on uh, just individual lives too and so then what that also highlights is why the enemy wants to break covenants Mm -hmm. right and so why he wants to attack our covenants Mm -hmm. why he wants to attack our relationships with other people why he wants to attack our marriages why he wants to attack these different things because he knows the power of what happens when people walk in covenant with the lord Mm -hmm. and so instead of attacking the people Right, like oh, I'm just gonna kill that guy. Right, it's like oh, I'll just break the relationships that he has, or the commitments that he's made, or these different things, so that we're not walking uh, according to the commitments that we've made. We're breaking them, and the the power that is lost, and how you know we could have a powerless faith because we're not walking uh, according to the commitments that we've made. And just thinking of it from behind the enemy lines perspective. It's interesting because let's say taking somebody out, like kill, actually killing somebody. Okay, you eliminate that person who could be doing good, but if you get them to to be defiled, to break covenant, and to to become like kind of messy, they're gonna actually make that spread to a lot of other people. And so, mm-hmm. just by doing, if you go that approach, you're actually more effective in just messing up stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like just making a big mess out of a whole community, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, wow, that's actually, from thinking from his perspective, it's like, yeah, if you can get people's lives just messy, because then it takes effort, it takes desire to clean up the messes. And a lot of times it's just like, I don't want to deal with it. I'll just sweep it under the rug. And, and But then it stays there, and then that leads into stuff festering or stuff boiling over later. And he can actually have a lot more uh, effectiveness. Yeah, it's like, we know that God knows who we are and how we're wired, but the enemy also knows mm-hmm. that. And so he knows what bu- buttons to push. Mm-hmm. And if he's able to push enough, then now your influence towards others is, you know, rooted in the things that the enemy's pushing. Mm-hmm. And so that is really tricky to, or it's something to be wary of because getting just the same way that the enemy and this pastor um, in that in that mission he had was given the scouting report to know everything and know what the good guys, the, the women, how they were wired and functioned so that he could push buttons. It's like in the same way it's good for us to know 
the ways that the enemy works so that we're aware of like his plans. We maybe don't have a 500 page scouting report on all the ways that the enemy works, but I think something, you know, that we do on this podcast is to help almost like give a scouting report on the enemy, right? In that same way. And so it's a game of chess in, in certain ways. And so we're just trying to um, stay one step ahead. And I think that's one other reason that I feel really blessed to be a part of Catalyst is that, um, you know, in this scenario, right, with the book of weaknesses and things like that, uh, one of the things that the pastor, after he got converted, started to think about is, why didn't those women mm. address some of the weaknesses that they had? Why, mm. why weren't, you know, in this discerning and praying, why weren't they discerning some of those things so that they could be aware of the ways that the enemy could attack them, mm-hmm. right? And so one thing that I'm really appreciative for at our church is that we have the healing and wholeness ministry mm-hmm. so that people can address some of the wounding, some of the things that they're holding on to, some of the unforgiveness and those types of things so that when the enemy comes in to try to bring offense or try to, you know, hit those wounds or or trigger them, right, instead of it being a festering wound, it's it's healed and whole, and so it doesn't have that same effect. And so instead of them responding in a way that gets them in the flesh and gets them to break their covenants, it, it bounces off, mm. right? So if that woman who had an issue with her mom, if that wasn't an issue anymore because it was healed, then when that mm-hmm. the Trojan horse woman came in and said that, it wouldn't have bothered her, and then that wouldn't have been the start of the unraveling of their group. Mm-hmm. No, that's good that you bring that up because, we, I mean, obviously we're not doing this to strike fear, and we don't want people to live in fear. We have to be aware but not let it uh, turn to fear. But it also um, <coughs> highlights that we need to be good at recognizing when there's unforgiveness, when there's wounds, when mm. there's things, and when they get brought up to deal with them. And, you know, that's what God wants to heal and bring um, kind of a wholeness to that. Um, and I, I thought there was, a, there was a quote that that guy said at the very beginning or early part of the uh, testimony. And he said, he's like, I don't, not enough Christians know this. And he said, um, salvation is free, but deliverance has a cost. And so when we're saved, it's great. Like that's, that's going to be our ticket to heaven, so to speak, right? We're, we're saved and we can't lose that. But that doesn't mean that all of our hurts, all of our woundings have been dealt with. Mm-hmm. That comes at a cost. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes kind of pain to go through that stuff. But that's, that's the part of kind of consecrating different areas of our lives. And that, takes away the enemy's whole foothold on how he can, you know, attack us, manipulate us and different things like that. But I, I think, like you said earlier, I think Brett, that it's sometimes it's just, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to go there because it's just too hard or too difficult. And I, I, I what you said, Damon, it's so true that our church has these resources available. And I think it's awesome because I, we've been seeing an uptick in people doing the healing, especially prayer ministry and mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, you you, I'm on one of those teams, and when you see people go through this stuff, you see new life mm. uh, because old things are, like, taken care of and dealt with. doesn't mm. mean that they can't come back, but so you have to continually um, put effort into um, maintaining a, a, maintaining your spiritual health. You know, there's things that, like, unforgiveness can always creep back in. But um, 
just seeing that new life and then knowing that like from this like behind enemy lines perspective that's one less area that the enemy can you know uh put his foot in so that's a heavy quote man Wait, yeah d- drop that one that 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 hit me but i i think sitting and thinking about it and even our church it makes me think like those women and and you know bless those women for for making that covenant and um you know just a testament to god's power and and some of the results of it but even makes me think like what if that woman had brought up her personal thing Mm. like with those other women and they were able to pray for her Mm. you know and i think that's that's a reflection too of that i'm thankful for for our church is like we are one of our strengths is relation being relational Mm -hmm. and so in those things that we need help and healing and you know, sometimes we are beaten down or feel like we're losing the battle. Mm-hmm. We have other people to help, you know, fight for us and fight with us. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that has been highlighted to me in, in this season for, you know, of my life is how do I be the best friend, brother, um, leader that I can to serve others? Mm. And sometimes in those ways, it is to contend for others. Mm-hmm. And other times it's to listen. And other times, you know, it's me going on the battle lines and praying for them and, you know, asking God to to reveal things. And um, yeah, it, it, it can seem scary, but that's why I'm so appreciative that our church is focused on being stronger together and, and really driving home that point. <laughs> what? Okay, so... Brett just did the perfect segue for how we're going to end this. I mean, he wasn't even in our pre, pre-discussion. pre Dude, off the dome, I'm telling you, I feel it. But I got one more thing before you say that. Okay, no. go ahead. Because no, no, you said that that quote was so powerful. And it deep. was, man. But I saw you wrestling with it, but I'm like, okay, I want to bring clarity. Salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. It's not, yes. it had a cost. It was Jesus. Yeah. It was his cost, but it's not, a, it's not our cost that we have to put into yeah. it. So I just want to clarify, it had a cost. It's Jesus' blood. But it's free to us. It's a free gift to us. For sure. Yeah. No, I wasn't doubting that. I was just no, more wrestling with. No, the, as you were wrestling, I'm like, oh, there is more depth. I got it. Oh, that, <laughs> that kind of popped in. I want to make sure people hear it right. That we're not saying that yeah, salvation yeah. is there's no cost to it, but no, it's, I, it's free I, to us. I, I like that quote because it it, it gives a, a certain weight and truth to to it. It's not something that, as Christians, I think sometimes just being surrounded by Christians or at church, we things kind of feel diluted sometimes, right? Like it's, it, we're, we're comfortable. We don't have to worry about someone else and what they believe at, at, at a core, mm-hmm. you know, there's other things that may differ, but you know, when the world comes and when we're away from church and we're spending mm-hmm. all those hours away, it's like understanding the gravity uh, and the importance of your relationship with God and the things that you do the ways that you deal with hurts and you know, like all that stuff really does matter. Mm. And I think sometimes at church, it seems just like we're all good. Like we're a big family. Everybody's good together, but it's also being able to walk with each other and help each other when things aren't Mm. and outside of that area. And so that's, that's where I think I I really value that quote. And then I really value, yeah, our church and, and really walking together. Yeah, so kind of as Kyle said, we were, <laughs> uh, we were we wanted to wrap this episode up a little bit with talking about, um, you know, our retreat. We 
we called it Stronger Together because we really feel like we want to experience the power of walking mm. together in covenant together. And sometimes it, it needs to start with relational things. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, how can you walk with someone that you don't know? Mm. Right. And so that's why we instituted or brought in some more of the try something new, just to give people opportunities to get to know, mm-hmm. you know, just at, at a human person level, mm-hmm. people that they might see at church, but don't really interact with that much. So we wanted to have more opportunities for people just to get to know each other, to start there. And then from there to go, to go deeper and, and it's been good. It's been exciting to see just different um, activities and people coming to different activities. And, you know, if you don't have the team reach app, you're, you're missing out because we get to see all these different pictures of, uh, you know, the different events and seeing the different people coming out. And it's exciting, especially being on the staff side to see mm-hmm. people taking advantage of it. It's like, wow, our church is having people walking together more closely than before. And some of the intergenerational things, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and, and thinking of it from the staff side, it's we're doing this, like you said, to, to build relationships. But it is it is with that purpose of walking as a, a community. That's, that's really that concept of covenant. Like when we can do things, whether it's the whole church on a certain topic or a certain part, like it's a, it's a prayer thing or it's this or it's that, when we're able to do it in a covenant, type of a setting, we have so much more authority and power, which like that guy's testimony highlighted that, wow, just 20 people. I mean, their, their covenant was, was a very large undertaking. So I'm not, I don't want to minimize that, but even on smaller ones, when we do things together, we can, we can shift how uh, things happen in the spiritual realm. Speaking of the try something new, I want to give one shout out to somebody. All right, do it. Matt Fong. Oh, (laughs) I saw, okay, I saw him on Saturday, was it Saturday night? And I told him, like, dude, Brett was talking about your activity, so go ahead. I, I told him yesterday Did at you? church that I <laughs> definitely cannot miss the next one because Brett was Brett was hyping it up. Yeah, I don't want to hype it up, so I'll say it was, it was just pretty good. <laughs> and Matt was just semi-prepared and (laughs) just had a little bit of example and no i i was you know matt i I love matt he's such a funny guy and i don't even think he tries to be or knows that he's that funny and i don't even know if he listens but um it was just cool to see what he did it was composting so if anyone's interested yeah sign up because it's legit it's Mm -hmm. it's 100 percent legit and the guy's a magic man. He's not a wizard. He's not into that kind of stuff. But the guy, yeah, he he knows how to how to get it done, and it, it's pretty cool. So that was something that I got. I had to represent my wife because she signed up for it, <laughs> and so I wasn't didn't know what to expect or didn't really you know put my efforts forward. But when I was there, I was like, this is pretty cool just to see people and the things that they're offering, yeah. and so it was yeah. it was really awesome. Oh, I, I just wanted to say one thing before we close. I've been staring at Damon. He's sitting next to me, and with your headphones on, I'm like, and you got a nice haircut, man. It looks good. <laughs> it looks really good. I'm like, I got to go get a haircut. My hair is shaggy. So. I know. I need to get a haircut, too. <laughs> All right. Shout out to my wife for giving me a nice haircut. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh home, homemade one. Nice. I like it. Yeah. So, I mean... Like we said, this episode was a little bit different. <laughs> Just wanting to invite everyone into a conversation that we're having uh, about covenants and mm-hmm. the power of covenants and, and, and you know, the uh, unseen aspects of 
God's kingdom and also the dark kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? And how, you know, for us, we can have confidence because of Jesus and his sacrifice that God wins. Mm -hmm. But there's also areas where we can have authority and power in walking in covenant together and that we can make an impact on this the kingdom of darkness mm. when we walk together. And so there's aspects of our lives that we can be um, introspective about and recognize that there are some areas that the enemy can um, trigger us. Mm-hmm. And we're thankful that we are part of a church that has a, a ministry that's dedicated to helping people to be free from that and healed from that so that we can walk together and, you know, you'll hear this term a lot in the next year, but become a city on a hill. Mm. And and that's really God's call for a catalyst that we believe is that we become a city on a hill where people look to our community and our people and they recognize that uh, God is the king and they want to be a part of that too. Clean up your junk, people. <laughs> Clean up your junk. One one thing at a time. Don't don't have to get everything, but just take steps. Take steps to start dealing with those hurts, those wounds, those whatever that they are, and yeah, you're gonna see a lot of fruit in your life. I think you'll also be surprised at how many other people have mm-hmm. either experienced that or have victory in that. Yeah, and so yeah, sure. you know, when you are able to be vulnerable and and um, share with people or ask pe- invite people to walk with you, I think um, a lot many of us would will be would be surprised by the response but also um just the willingness that people have to come alongside you i think that's something that i really value at our churches it's almost like you got to tell people okay i got enough people coming alongside me there's <laughs> there's going to be a waiting list now so people you know want to see you flourish and and that's definitely a blessing but you got to be willing to be vulnerable for sure and God made me do it in some sermons and I had to show everybody, but just, just be vulnerable to one person yeah. and let that be your, your path towards, you know, taking a step to clean up your stuff. Yeah. I feel like recently someone said, I don't think I've ever seen Kyle cry. And I was like, I see Kyle cry all the time when he's on stage. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> Until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.